All right, before we start the sermon, we're going to pretend we're in my living room or some living room, your living room, and have a family meeting. All right. We all together? Talk about money. Um, here's the deal. Uh, so far this year, we're pretty much break even because the staff has worked really hard to make sure that we don't spend if we don't have. And we've done pretty well through the summer. September was terrible. Terrible. And so you always tell me, people come to you all the time and say, hey, listen, you got to let us know when things are going this way. You got to let us know. Don't always tell us when things are going great. Got to let us know when we're struggling a little bit. We're struggling a little bit. We're okay right now. But if, if October, which historically isn't, is anything like September, I'm going to be stressed out trying to figure out how to take care of the normal things that we do. So I wanted to come before you this morning and just sit down and let you know that we are about break even right now. We're not in the red, again, because we've held budget. We've held spending. But budget is probably, our, our budget's twelve five per week. Right now, after last week, which was probably the worst giving week that I've seen since I've been a pastor of this church, including the first year we started. And when that happens in a church like ours, where we don't keep a lot of money in the bank and those kinds of things. We put it out. If we have it, we use it for what we, we need it for during the week. That is, if someone needs help in the church, if we need to finish some things over here, if we need to do some construction, whatever the case may be. So we are right now there. We're about $700 a week under budget. That's the bad news. The good news is we're not in the red because we've held our own because of the way we've spent. So I just wanted to sit down just for a couple of minutes and say to you, please, if you've, if you've been gone the last few this month with taking kids to college or getting ready for this and taking care of that, no problem. Please catch up because if we don't get to a, a, ourselves in a strong position, it's difficult for us to make decisions for 2011 if we're not sure what it's going to look like in 2010. So there are five Sundays in October, which should really strengthen the budget. But I just wanted to stop and, you know, we don't talk about money all the time. We don't pass around the plate. I try to kind of keep people up to date. But after last week in September, I had said, you know what? I just need to stop and spend some time with the, with the family, family meeting here. Not a big pressure thing. You know, we're still not going to pass the plate around this morning. But I want to really encourage you. If you're new to the church and you think this is going to be home, maybe it's time to start tithing. If you've been here for a while and you've kind of missed uh, because of the craziness of the summer and September, maybe it's time to catch up. So it puts us in a position as a church that we know we're going for 2011 and we're strengthened in 2010. Um, next week's going to be an exciting week because we worked hard and the, the, it's kind of the unveiling of the new Grace Impact Center. And we've been able to finish that off that building. When you see what we were able to do, and I'm going to give you numbers next week of how much we actually spent um, and then how much it would have cost us if we did it in the normal way of just hiring contractors. The staff and volunteers have been over there for the last month and a half until sometimes 11, 12 o'clock at night trying to finish that place up. It is going to be a, an amazing facility, not only for your children, but also for us as adults. So I, 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 so many things that, you know, numbers are going up. The, the construction is getting accomplished. We're doing so many things within the church. God is truly blessing us. But then this one area in the last month or so has been kind of down. And I just wanted to make sure that it doesn't continue. So I just wanted to spend some time talking to you about it. Okay? We good? All right, now reach into your pocket. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Ushers, now come around. Now we got them all, you know. First, I got to preach something really hard. So show that video of those. No, just kidding. <laughs> 
All right. Oh, I love this series. I am really enjoying this series. Last week was really enjoyable for me with Obed Edom. And uh, thanks for all the response that you, uh, with the emails and the, and the calls and just the connections that we made after that. I, I enjoyed preaching it as much as I think you enjoyed uh, hearing about it and learning about this exciting man named Obed Edom. So this morning we're going to continue our series, I Want to Be Where the Rain Ends. And this series is really uh, helping us through the challenging times of our lives, studying the lives of biblical characters. That's what we've been doing, going through the lives of biblical characters. Now, this morning, I want to talk about what we do when we, when, you, when we can't see through the rain. You know, I want to be where the rain ends. Yes, but what do we do when we can't see through the rain? What do we do when, when we don't see light at the end of the tunnel? When you're kind of in this dark place and you're like, what, Lord, I, I, can't, see my, I can't see through this. I don't see the light. I don't, I don't see how this is all going to work out. I've told you my favorite prayer before. When I get into a place where I can't see my way out, where I'm just overwhelmed, I've, I've used all the resources that I have. I've talked to all the people that I can talk to. I have a prayer. It's a profound prayer. It's, it's one that you can use as well when I get in these situations. And it's, Lord, do something. That's what I pray. That's my prayer. That's it. Okay? And he's never, I don't use it. I only use it in certain situations because he's never not come through. I mean, right when I needed him to when I pray that prayer. So it's like one of those things I, 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 I really pull out and when, you know, at the very end of my rope kind of thing. But, you know, do something. And some of you may be in that, Lord, just do something. I don't know. And I pray do something because I don't even know how, how he could actually get me out of the situation or how he could overcome this, this, this difficulty I'm in. I don't even have the mental capabilities to figure out what I'm actually going to pray and how he's actually, how I'd like him to do it. So I just say, do something. And maybe some of you are in that do something stage. I can't see where the rain ends. I can't see through the rain. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so what do I do? And we're, gonna, we're going, to, we're going to, to call on someone this morning with whom we are all very familiar as opposed to Jacobed and Obed-Edom, and that is Joseph. No character study is complete without looking at the life of Joseph. If you have not studied this man's life in the Bible, oh, you need to go back. If you're new, if you just came to Christ recently, if you're new to the church or new just to going to church, you want to go book, to the book of Genesis and you want to study the life of Joseph because this he, he's my hero. I love this man. He's incredible. And no study would be complete without looking at the life of Joseph. See, Joseph was a dreamer, literally. He had dreams, and his dreams would often, often get him into trouble, especially with his brothers, and especially when his dreams had to do with his brothers bowing down to him. He was kind of a, I don't, I don't mean naive in a bad way. I mean, he was, you know, young and he just, you know, if some, God told him something in a dream, he was so excited. He'd just say it to every, you know, I was dreaming and you, you guys bowed down to these. And, and they would get so frustrated and he would just be kind of blind, I believe, to what he was saying and how frustrating it was to them. And they got angry. And in Genesis 37, 19 through 28, we read this. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert and don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. 
So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices and balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. Thanks so much. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianites merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern, sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, and, took, and they took him to Egypt. Now, Joseph was a man who walked with God. He was a man who followed God's will in the midst of life's crisis, in the midst of life's turmoil, in the midst of life's temptations. He was a man who, who truly followed after the will of God for his life. What, an, what a wonderful example. What a wonderful example of this man because he, he, he didn't have to turn out this way. He had every reason in his life, if we, as we'll go through this, he had every reason along the way to give up. More, more, than, more than most of us will ever have to give up. He had the reason. He had a reason to give up. He, could have, he couldn't actually know the will of God in his life when he was going through all these things. He didn't know exactly how they would turn out. So he could have easily, and if he did, we'd read about him and say, well, you know, that makes sense. The poor guy, if you read his story, I can see why he bang, bang. He could have, he could have fallen into temptation so easily. He gets thrown into the cistern. He takes to, to Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife seduce, tries to seduce, seduce him. He, he could have easily said, you know what? Why not? Why not? I mean, how many people around you that you know just say, why not? I mean, I'm, I feel, what has God ever done for me? I mean, I, I get totally stiffed here. I get abandoned. Why not? I'm just going to go after the flesh. You know what I mean? I'm just going to fall into this. Thing. He could have done that. He could have done that. He could have, he could have, he could have, like many of us, if, if you think through the story, as you go through the story, and if you've read the story in your life, you know you went through and said, man, I would be making a list and checking it twice. You know what I'm saying? All these people. He could have been plotting out his revenge. One day, I'm going to get back to my home, and I, boy, when I get back, one by one, I'm taking out my brothers. You know what I mean? He could have done that. He didn't do that. He could have become bitter in his heart. You know, for all the things he went through, he could have become bitter and angry, and that would have been his life. He just said, oh, yeah, that guy Joseph, you don't get near him. Boy, he's nasty. He's one nasty human being. For all he went through, he could have become bitter. Yet in the midst of it all, Joseph never falters. He never falters. Joseph's attitude toward life's difficulties, he seemed to be, have some supernatural ability. And, and all of his difficulties can be summed up very well, I think are summed up very well by William A. Ward. And he wrote this, adversity causes some men to break and others to break records. Think about that. Adversity causes some men to break and others to break records. You know, it comes back to perspective, it really does. It comes back to perspective. We need to, we need to see life not through, the, not through the temporal, but through the eternal. We sometimes, we focus on the temporal. What's happening in my life right now? Joseph was able to see life through the eternal and not the temporal. 
And I talk about this often because I'm telling you, the older you get, the more you go through, the only way you survive this life sometimes. Some people kind of get through. They don't have that many things going on that have become, that are so devastating. But a lot of people, I would say most, go through some things in their lives. If you don't have an eternal perspective, it is really, really difficult to survive it. Joseph had an eternal perspective. He could see it from God's perspective. He seemed to have, again, this supernatural ability to, to see beyond his circumstances to what, to, to, what, to what God could do in his life. He seemed to see beyond his circumstances and continue to trust God. Each time he faced a challenge in his life, Joseph's thoughts turned to God. What, what would God have me do? That's what he would think through. Every time he would face a crisis, he seemed to turn back to God and say, what would God have me do with my brother's betrayal? His brothers betrayed him. What would God have me do? Potiphar's wife accused him. What would, what would God have me do? Thrown into prison, you know, un, un, unrighteously thrown into prison. What would God have me do? He seemed to be able to step back and ask, what would God have me do? There was never a thought, never a thought of payback. You don't read anything about payback. Boy, wait till this time. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, you're going through, God would open up his mind and, and we'd share his thoughts in the, in the word of God. It never talks about, it never, never shows us that Joseph had this attitude, oh man, I'm gonna pay, I'm gonna pay back big time. Ever heard the phrase, I don't, I don't get mad, I just get even? Ever heard that? Some of you probably said it in your lives, right? I don't get, yeah, see, you're laughing, you know. I don't get mad, I just get even. I don't get angry, I just get even. Not Joseph. Not Joseph. Not Joseph. His eyes were fixed on God. He fixed his eyes on God and asked the question, what would please my creator? What would please my creator? He goes through all these things, and that's where he fixes his eyes. What would please my God? When the storms of life hit, when you go through the storms of life, storms that other people created in your life, other people's evil desires created these storms in your life when you go those, through those things, it would help you and it would help me so much if, if we, and it, we avoid so many problems and so many issues and so many difficulties if we would ask the same question. What would please my creator? I'm not saying be a doormat, let everybody walk all over you. What I'm saying is when you get in those situations, you got to ask yourself, God, how would you have me handle this? You avoid so many of the problems. We would avoid so many of the problems that we face if we would just ask those questions. You may be thinking, well, you know what, pastor? It was really easy for Joseph because Joseph knew, his, he knew that God had a, a great plan for his life. He knew that God was going to use him in a powerful way. No, that's not true. That, that, is, that is not true. He didn't know the end result of his circumstances as he was going through them, any of them. He didn't know the end result of what was going to happen, how it was all going to turn out. He didn't have that supernatural information. Only thing he had were his dreams, and they were wonderful, but a lot of times they got him into trouble. So he knew his dreams. He knew, what God, he knew God was speaking to him through his dreams, but he didn't, didn't have all the information. He didn't know how everything was going to turn out. Joseph had to overcome jealousy. He had to overcome lying and deceit, sexual temptation. He had to overcome slander, being falsely accused, wrongly convicted, and imprisoned, and abandonment. He had to, he had to get through all of those. He had to overcome all of those things. 
It wasn't easy for Joseph. It wasn't easy for this man's life. He faced so many of the adversities. He faced so many of the adversities that you and I face every single day. But then he faced adversities that you and I will probably never face in our lives. And he held up under all of it. He held up under all of it. He was able to see adversity in a different light, through different lenses. And that's why we need to study this man's life. Because we all go through these tragic tragedies in our lives. And, and if we don't see it through the right lens, it can destroy, literally destroy our lives. There's a, quote, there's a quote that I really like. It goes something like this. It's, it's, do not fear the winds of adversity. Remember, a kite rises against the wind rather than with it. Joseph rose through adversity. You think about his life. He kept rising through adversity against the wind and the rain. It wasn't, he wasn't swept along with it. It wasn't like the wind was to his back. The wind was in his face like a kite. The kite, that wind blows against a kite and lifts it up. Joseph rose through adversity, through the wind and through the rain. God used those things to continually lift him up. I believe, I really believe that God has given us the story of Joseph as a testimony to the fact that it is possible to live a righteous and, uh, and holy life in the midst of an unholy and, and, and unfair world. We live in an unholy and unfair place. How many times have you said, that's not fair? How does that person rise to that level? They're, li- they're a liar, they're deceitful. How on earth does that person continue to make it through the company? How does that person in political power continue to rise up like this? How is, you know, we live in an unholy and unfair world. Why is it fair that this person gets this and this person doesn't? And, and the story of Joseph helps us understand that we can live a righteous and holy life in the midst of an unholy and unfair world. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, Paul writes this, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. You know, the, the world may, have not, been unfa- may not, not have been fair to, to Joseph, but Joseph found a way. He found a way to stay close to God. God had a plan for Joseph's life, his life. And in the midst of an unfair world and an unholy world, God still had a plan for Joseph's life. And God has a plan for our lives as well. We need to understand that. We look at, these, we look at men like Joseph and we say, well, Joseph, well, Joseph, well, Joseph is an example. He's an example to us because of how he responded to all the things that he went through in his life. He's a person that we remember because of how he responded to what he was put through in his life by all those around him. God had a plan for Joseph's life, regardless of what everybody else was trying to do to him. Joseph stayed focused on Christ. He stayed focused on God. He stayed focused on his God. We are, this, we, we're this, we are flesh and blood just like him. God has a plan for our lives, just like he had a plan for Joseph's life. God will work through all these things to bring us to where we need to be. You know, Joseph went from, think about it, he went from being the favored child of his father. He was the favored child. That's one of his reasons his brothers didn't like him at all because his father favored him, openly favored him over his brothers, gave him this beautiful coat, you know, the coat of, you know, a beautiful coat. And so his brothers, when he would come to him and tell him his dreams, you know, they were like, oh man, I'm gonna throw you in a hole and bury you. So he went from being his father's favorite child 
really, to the, he was on top of the world, walking around in his coat. Everything was good. Life was good. He went from being on top of the world to the cistern, to the, the bottom, to the pit, to the pit of despair, literally into a pit. And as I was, as I was studying this week, this, this thought came through my mind. I wonder, I was wondering what Joseph was thinking when they were going to sell him to the Ishmaelites and they were pulling him out of the cistern, out of the pit. I wonder he was thinking in his mind, you know, Joseph with his probably real positive thinking, you know, he's getting pulled out and he's thinking, they, they, they changed their mind. Put, put yourself in this position, the things you go through when you're looking at the hope, okay? You see and you're going up and there's light and they get, my brothers changed their mind because they do love me. I love my brothers. They love me. They changed their mind. They got ticked. We always, they've been beating on me and we've been fighting for years and, uh, and they're pulling me out. And they, they must have changed their mind. Life's going to be the way it should be again. I'm going to get back to where, you know, it's, this is all over. It's a horrible experience, and I, you know, and, uh, but life's going to be the way it should be. And then he gets pulled out, probably sees their faces as he's coming up and realizes mm, things haven't changed. And then the disappointment that he must have felt. I mean, imagine the disappointment on, on, in his whole spirit, in his heart. Imagine the emotional agony that he went through when his brothers pulled him out of that pit and sold him to strangers. I couldn't imagine because, you know, this hope, 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 hope dashed. Hope, 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 hope dashed. Hope, hope, hope dashed. How many times that happened to you in your life and you're just like, you know what? I can't take one more broken promise. I can't take one more hope dashed. I can't take one more time. I, 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 I pull myself up and I'm, I'm trying to, to do the right thing and then bam and bam and bam. How many times do I have to get knocked down? You can imagine how Joseph felt from the pit of despair, okay? He goes from the pit of despair, and then he's to- taken to Potiphar's house. So he's taken to Potiphar's house, and, and, and he's thinking, blessing and hope once again. I'm in Potiphar's, oh, he put me in charge. Of, you know, I'm in charge of all these things. Hope and blessing. But not for long, not for long. Potiphar's wife sees that he's a handsome guy, you know, he's well-built, handsome guy, and so she starts to try to seduce him. When he was, doesn't respond, because he's not going to respond to her, because he's, he's a righteous man, and the Potiphar's put him in charge of his house, and he's not going to say, I'm not in charge of you, lady. I'm in charge of everything else, but I don't, I'm not touching you. And so he, doesn't do, he does the right thing again. He does the right thing again. And she says, he, he tells her husband that he attacked me. He tried to do this to me. From Potiphar's house, he's taken to prison. Imagine that, imagine that walk or whatever, ride to prison. You're going to prison. You don't do anything wrong. She lies and, 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 and lies to her husband. And now you're off to prison. From his prison, he's taken to the palace. From the palace, he basically, uh, no, no help from his friends at all. From, he, gets, he gets out of prison, no help from his friends that he helped while he was there. He gets taken to the palace. And from the palace, he becomes second in command of Egypt. He walks all the way. Now, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I could have handled this road. I'm not sure I could have handled that road. You know, we talked about Obed-Edom last week. We, you know, Obed-Edom, think about Obed-Edom. You know, they say, well, you want to take the Ark of the Covenant in your house? And he says, yes, I'll take it in. Because in here, you think about this. This makes sense to us, our human brains. I'm faithful. I'm obedient. I'm trusting God. And I get blessed, right? Does that make sense to you? One plus one equals two, Right? I am, I am a man of faith, therefore God blesses me in the way that I assume that I should be blessed. 
That's in my, as I look at Obed-Edom's life, you know, Obed-Edom stepped out in faith when no one else basically would want to take the ark into their homes. Obed-Edom stepped out in faith and God blessed him, right? I mean, boil it down. That's pretty much what happened. Joseph, the road to his blessings had a lot of twists and turns. I don't know about you, but at this point in my spiritual life, I'm not sure, probably on the end of not thinking I could, handled what Joseph had to go through in order to receive the blessings that he received. Joseph had the ability to follow God no matter where the path would lead. And, 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 he had, and, and he left the consequences up to God. He knew that in spite of his difficult circumstances, that, that, he, that, that he had a God he realized that in the, in the midst of all that he was going through, see, he could go back into his heart and mind and think these things through. And he realized that he had a God that knew his name. God knew his name. God had a plan for him. And that same God was going to keep his hand on him. I think, I think Joseph honestly had the attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where they went through all, and they threw them in the fiery furnace, and they basically said, listen, king, do whatever you want. At the end of the day, we're still going to serve our God regardless of what you do to us. Our God's going to rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to follow our God. I think Joseph had that same attitude. He didn't know if he was going to go to prison. They were going to off with your head. He didn't know. He trusted God. He trusted that, that that was the end of his life, that God would use that life to do something spectacular. He knew that God knew his name and that God was going to use his life. Joseph knew that. That was really, to, to me, I sit back and I say, wow, there's something unique. This is real faith. Faith, my friends, is when you don't know the end result and you still trust God. You don't know where this experience that you're going through right now, you don't know where it's going to lead you. I cannot stand up here and say, you know what? When it's all over and when you get through the rain, I'm telling you, woohoo, party, party, boy. Everything's going to be peachy keen. I don't, I have no idea what that looks like. But it's, it's when we go through these and we have faith and we keep walking through and we trust God, that is faith. And that's what Joseph had. Joseph had this faith in God that could, regardless of the circumstances, he could see through it in a sense and he would trust, he would trust his God. My friends, faith is not faith until it's all you're holding on to. Faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. And that's all Joseph had to hold on to. Faith in his God, that God was going to continue to come through in his life. I, I don't know how he did it. He goes from the cistern, he goes from the pit into Potiphar's house, and he's thinking to himself, I am home free. Now, I'm in Potiphar's house now. It may not be home with my father, who loves me so much and, and dotes all over me. And I, not, I may not be at home, but you know what? I'm in Potiphar's house. I'm in charge of everything. Everything's good. Man, things are going my way right now. Thank you, God. You know, I know what he was thinking. I, now, I don't know exactly what he was thinking, but my, my logic kind of goes along here. He's thinking, you know what? I, I was faithful to God, and I honor God, and I trusted God, and now I'm being blessed. It's over. Whew. Man, wow. Thank God. I, I'm not where I was before, but you know what? God took these horrible circumstances, and now I'm in Potiphar's house. He's put me in charge of all these things. Thank God I'm here. I was righteous. He starts, as soon as he breathes a sigh of relief, the wind is knocked right back out of him. He's brought right back to where he started. Can you imagine? Let's just, again, come back to us. Can you imagine how angry you would be at God? 
Well, you can't be angry at God. You can't even say, why should I? Oh, pastor, you say you're angry at God? Come on. You don't think that he had a little... How much he, he seemed, not, not Joseph, but think, put yourself in his position. You get there, you finally, oh, thank God, I'm in this position. And then all of a sudden, you get the wind knocked right back out of it, and you're back to where you started. I don't know about you. I don't like going back to where I started. You ever play that game, the, the pop thing, whatever it is, and you go around, and someone lands on you, go, go back to the beginning. I hate that game. You know what I mean? I'm the kind of person I get this far and I want to go far, and I want a little further. And someone says, no, start back here. It's starting over. I'm like, oh, I don't play this game anymore. I'm a sore loser. I'm telling you what, man. I don't want to go back to the beginning. You know what I mean? Do not pass gold. Do not collect $100. I don't like that kind of stuff. I want the 100 I want the pot. I want to win it. I, want the, I don't want to go backward. And he went backward. He had to go back to the beginning. Oh, you know, sometimes we just need to sit down with God and say, God, I'm not... For us, I'm not getting this. You got to help me out here. You got to give me more faith. You got to give me more strength. You got to give me discernment. You have to give me understanding because I'm, I'm, I'm breaking here, Lord. This concept may be difficult to grasp, but in God's sovereignty, sometimes he needs to remove the good to give you the great. Sometimes he needs to remove the better to give you the best. And I know that's hard for us to understand because when it's better, it's good enough for most of us. I don't want, <laughs> if I have to go through Joseph, I don't want the best. I'm, I'm looking better's good, better's, but God removes, because you know what? God will not give second best to his children. And so sometimes he takes away the good to give us the great. Sometimes he removes the better to give us the best. And sometimes in our finite minds, we don't understand all that. And we're going through it. We don't really want to understand it. We just don't like it. But that's the way God works. God has a plan for our lives. He has a purpose for our lives. And he will not settle for second best for his children. That's what happened in Joseph's life. God, God had to walk him through. Had to walk him through some, some unexpected places to fulfill his ultimate and perfect plan for Joseph's life. God had to walk him through some very dark places in order for Joseph to get to where God needed him to be. God would use those things that were thrown in Joseph's life in order to get Joseph to where God needed him to be. I believe Joseph could have written Psalm 23. He didn't. Let me get that clear. He didn't. I'm just, as I'm going through this sermon, as I was reading this sermon, and as I was studying this week, I thought to myself, Joseph could have written Psalm 23. I mean, Psalm, just think about Joseph and listen to this psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they, the staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Could have written that. But what purpose did God have for Joseph's life? You think, okay, all this going on, what purpose did he have? See, now Joseph's in a position of power. You got to get this, let's, let's get this all laid out. Joseph now is second in command of Egypt. Again, God blesses him. He dreams. They call him out. He gets to be in the palace. And, you know, all these things go on. And, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Pharaoh. And, and so Joseph gets to be second in command. But what plan does God have for his life? Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 21, we find Joseph now talking to his brothers. Famine, they come to Egypt, and lo and behold, they face their brother, who they did all these horrible things to. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. 
Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and for your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I think he would at least like torture him a tiny bit. You know what I mean? Like walk out with a big scowl on his face. Remember me? You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. You know what I'm saying? Psych. You know what I mean? Just one little psych, you know? No, he said, hey, relax. Your heads are still on. They're going to remain there. I'm going to take care of everything. See, we need to keep in mind that God is above. When you're going through this stuff, my friends, God's above your circumstances. God's above all the circumstances. God is above those evil people who try to do evil things in your lives. And there are people out there who are just flat out nasty and do nasty things to you at work, in your neighborhood, in your school. They're just nasty. They're nasty people. They do things to you. God is above all the evil that people do in your lives. God's above all that. That's why Joseph says, says am I in the place of God? He says to them, I'm in the place of God. God, God is, he said to them, basically, God has always been in charge of my life. Regardless of what you did, that's why I'm not going to respond to what you did to me. God has always been in charge of my life. I'm not going to react. I'm not going to take action against you. Joseph was saying to his brothers, I know you meant evil for me when you threw me in a cistern and sold me to the Ishmaelites. I know that. But God never stopped being my God. I know that too. I know you meant to harm me, but God was always there to rescue me. I know you did this to me, but I know my God as well. See, Joseph already knew what Paul wrote Long, you know, years later in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. It says, And we know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Joseph knew that already. All things work together for good. All things, all things work together for good. That means good things, bad things, and different things. The horrible things, the difficult things. All things work together for good. Those two words work together come from the Greek word that means synergy in the Greek, synergy. Synergy is a cooperation of two, uh, two or more stimuli or drugs, okay? Now, we create drugs to be used for curing or controlling a disease, and that is exactly, my friends, that's, what God, that's how God works in our lives. Think about it. He takes all the evil. He takes all the suffering. He takes all the stress. He takes all of those tears. He takes all of those pain. He takes all that pain. He takes all of it together and he mixes it together and produces spiritual synergy in our lives so that he can say to us, I work all things together for good for those who love me. All things together. Spiritual synergy. Napoleon Hill wrote, every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. That's a great quote. We need to realize that Joseph was a man who truly followed after God with all of his heart and all of his soul. We need to realize that, it, that, that if we follow after the life of Joseph, that that if we just open up our hearts to God, if we just see it like this, we see it through that perspective, 
that God will open up our hearts and God will open up our minds to all the things that he has for us. He will open up our hearts and minds to the potential of what he can do in our lives. But we need to allow ourselves. We need to trust him. We need to see things from God's perspective. When, we, when God opens up our hearts and opens up our minds, he allows us to see things from his perspective, from, 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 the, from God's lenses. And that's what Joseph was able to do. And as hard as it is, that's what we need to be able to do, to see things from God's perspective. Like I said earlier, Joseph didn't realize what God was going to do through all these, until he went through all the suffering in his life. He didn't know what was going to happen. He went through the suffering. But through it all, he trusted God. He trusted God and continued. This is so hard. This is so difficult. This is why the Christian life is so hard. And you go, you go some places and try, people try to sell you a bill of goods about, oh, it's all going to work out for you all the time if you accept Jesus. It is so hard to go through all of that, to not know exactly how it's all going to turn out and still do the right thing. Think about that, isn't it? You don't know how your story is going to end. You don't know how your story is going to end, but Joseph continued to do the right thing. You know, the Hebrew language... The Hebrew language is read from right to left, not left to right like we read are like we read. Sometimes when we go through these things, we need to we need to see we need to see God's plans. We need to see God's purposes the way the Hebrews written backward from our perspective. You need to, when you're going through something difficult in life, you need to actually see it from, see it backwards. Sometimes we need to go through all the things that we, that, that we have to experience. Sometimes we need to go through a long period of time to be able to look back and see what God has done in our lives. We need to, we need to look at life backward. We need to stop right now where we are and say, okay, I went through all these things, but look how God worked. Look what, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Honestly, most of the time, that's to our own frustration sometimes, it doesn't happen until the very end, until we've gone through all the things that, that are happening in our lives. Sometimes we don't see how God is moving until we're looking back. You know, adversity has the ability to bring out your gifts and your talents, he has the ability to do that. And if it was, if you were going through better or 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 happier circumstances, those things would have laid dormant. Think about it. Adversity has the ability to bring out gifts and talents. That if you were to go through just a happy and content time in your life, those things would have laid dormant. I have the ability to get up in front of you, honestly, before God and speak, and not have my heart pounding and all worried. No, I'm no. Because, I, because God did things in my life, throughout my life, to put me in this position, to give me the gifts that he's given me. But it came through adversity. It came through struggle. It came through difficulty. It came through some fear. It came through all those things. But God worked out all those things to give me the abilities that he's given me in my life. All the ability, anything that I have, any, any, any ability that you see in me, I promise you, I promise you, didn't come from Jeff Greer pulling himself by his own bootstraps with the confidence that he had, always just ready to get up in front of everyone. I was horrified and terrified of getting up in front of anyone, saying anything or reading anything to anyone at any time. 
Through adversity, God brought me to the place I am now. Through adversity, God will bring out the gifts and abilities and talents that you have, that if you were just to stay where you were in your comfortable, happy life, those things would lay dormant. There's a, there's a phrase, as you read through Genesis, a phrase that's read over and over and over again. And I believe it's, 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 it's given to us to make a point to, so that we'll remember. In Genesis 39, verses 1 and 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph. In Genesis 39, verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph. In Genesis 39, and verse 23, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. It says the Lord was with, with Joseph over and over and over again. God never left Joseph's side. His promises are true. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God was with him every step of the way. Joseph may not have known the end results, but Joseph knew his God. There's the difference. See, our problem many times is that we don't know our God. We don't understand who God is. We don't understand the character of God. If we understood our God, we'd be able to work through some of our difficulties in, in a way that would help us, would strengthen us instead of weaken us. Joseph didn't know the end result of everything he was going to go through, but he knew his God. His God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Joseph knew his God. Eli Weitzel, a Holocaust survival, was forced to watch the hanging of a really angel-faced little boy during the Holocaust. And as he was there, someone for the crowd said out loud, where is God now? Where is he? Where is God? And Weissel said, I heard a voice within me answer him, Where is he? He's right there, hanging on the gallows. God is with us. God is always with us. Things don't always turn out the way we want them to turn out, but we can be sure of one thing. God is with us. God can take all the misery and suffering and and abuse that you experienced in your life, and God can use all those things with his spiritual synergy, bringing all that evil together, bringing all those horrible things together to to work out something good in your life. All things, God says, will work out for your good. I can work out all things for your good, no matter what, you, what hand, what cards you've been dealt in your life. If you stand with me, if you hold on to me, if you stay close to me, if you trust me, if you have faith in me, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and your life will have purpose. Your life will have meaning because I have a plan, and no one can thwart the plan and will of God. It doesn't matter where someone takes you in your life. And some people have been taken for a ride. You've been taken for a ride. But I'm telling you, God is steering the car. And ultimately, if you allow him to continue to steer, he will bring you back to the place where what he has for you in your life. And he will use all that stuff, all that garbage, all that dung that people threw at you to your benefit, and God will bring you back to where he wants you to be, and God has a plan and purpose for your life. Jesus gives us the same promise, doesn't he? He says, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I will be with you always. Man, this life is tough. Life is really tough, and you're not always going to get the answers. You're not always going to know why to your questions. I don't know how things are going to turn out at the very end, but I do know this. 
God is the person that we need to be holding on to. We need to be jumping on his back. We need to be jumping in his arms. We need to be holding on for dear life because at the end of the day, we can't do this alone. And God is saying, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be there with you. Jesus said, I will always be with you even to the end of the age. I know what you're going through. That's why I'm your mediator. I experienced the betrayal. I experienced the horror that you face. I experienced the pain, the agony. I'm not some God somewhere out there who goes through things from a distance. I enter into and understand and know your pain and suffering. I know it. I've been there. That is the God who we worship, a God who understands us intimately. So we need to keep turning to God. God has a plan for you in the storms of life. My friends, you may not be able to see through the storm, but he can. And if you continue to trust him, if you continue to have faith in him, then he, our God, will will give you his ultimate plan for your life. He will bring you to the place where he wants you to be and use you in a powerful way, in ways you never expected because now you've been refined as of fire and God can use you in even more powerful ways. What they meant for evil in your life, God can use for good and you can become a giant killer in the kingdom of God. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you so much for this time that we can spend together. And God, we ask that you would just, you would bless us, Lord God, whatever that means in our lives. Take us where you need to take us. Help us become the people that we need to be in order to fulfill the vision that you have for each one of us individually and as a church. God, we love you. We want to serve you with our whole heart. We give you everything we are, everything we have. We lay it all out to you, Lord God. We receive nothing for ourselves, but give it all to you. We trust you with our very lives, with everything, with all our... We trust you completely, Lord God, this morning and ask that you would help us, help us, to become the person that we've been created to be, to become more like your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. See you next, we'll see you Wednesday night. Wednesday night, come back Wednesday night. We'll talk more about Joseph.